Welcome back to Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, DF Bean Counter. You can follow me on Twitter at DF Bean Counter. With me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson. You can follow him on Twitter at Jacob Sanderson. He uses all the letters now. There's no more acronyms that nobody knows what they mean. How are you doing, Jacob? People finding you on good? Twitter all right? They're finding me on Twitter all right. That's I'm lucky. doing good. Uh, you know, week four is famously, it's, it's become such a well-known checkpoint now in the fantasy community that i don't actually know who it was that first studied this um i have credited it at times to adam harstad i've credited it at times to rich rebar um credited that's a credited it that's a really weird couple of words to put together hey credited it did it did did it (laughs) um anyway what i'm talking about of course is that the magic of week four is that that is the point of the season at which the year's results to that point become more predictive of the rest of season results than preseason ADP. For the first three weeks to decreasing degrees each week, the preseason ADP is more predictive than the results. And then starting into week five, into week six, into week seven, it just gets more and more, you know, the season thus far becomes more and more predictive of the rest of the season. Week four is that hinge point. Another interesting thing, this I can credit to Adam Harstad for sure, is that the most predictive actually of weeks five through 17 is neither week one through four results or preseason ADP, but the average of week one through four results and preseason ADP. So... That's another uh, nice little thing. Anyway, we're going to start off today. We're going to talk about, you know, the big some big changes and things, things that are kind of shaking up our preseason expectations. We're first going to talk about some of the veterans, and then we're going to talk about it from a rookie dynasty landscape. I know we talked about some of these vets last week, but I think we might have changed our mind on a couple, or uh, we may have... Um, neglected to talk about a couple. So let's dive right in there. Here are some players that are currently top 12 at their position group that were certainly not expected to be that coming into the season. We're talking about Puka Nakua, Nico Collins, Adam Thielen, Devon Achan, which is a downgraded version of the name Devon Achan, Raheem Mostert, Kyron Williams, Zach Moss, Jordan Love, CJ Stroud, I know um, we're going to at least save the rookies for when we get into our next segment, but uh, we were talking pre-show about Nico Collins, uh, someone that you were not the biggest fan of just a week ago. The magic of the four weeks seems like it's gotten to you a little bit. It has gotten to me a little bit, and uh, I'm not very happy about it. I don't really like being wrong, feeling pretty wrong right now on Nico Collins. And uh, not not only am I feeling wrong, not only am I taking a heaping helping of L right now, I'm also flipping the script and saying, I'm actually thinking about buying Nico Collins for the first time in the history of Nico Collins' life. I have been interested in Nico Collins. And it's funny, I was going through Fantasy Calc earlier. Uh, it was it was waiting for Jacob, mostly just browsing through Fantasy Calc looking at values and I had him only on wide receivers and I was like, yeah, I don't really feel like Nico is much of a buy. Like I, I, I kind of feel like I want all these guys that are ahead of them ahead of them. So maybe I'm just like taking the L and we're, we're sitting here thinking he's fine. If you got him, hold them. If not, then go away. Then I turn on the other positions 
And when you turn on the other positions and you look at Nico Collins on the fantasy calc, it gets really interesting. There's a whole bunch of players that I do not understand why they are valued where they are. And I don't know, maybe it's like a wide receiver bias for myself. I'm not really sure. But I'm just going to read you a few of the players that I would like happily give away in exchange for Nico Collins. Start with Derrick Henry. And then I'd probably move Calvin Ridley and I'd probably move Alvin Kamara. Christian Watson would be like pretty equal, I think. Isaiah Pacheco is like right beside him. And I'm serious about that. I'm more furious about that than Isaiah Pacheco is furious about stomping the ground. He's, he's, I'm more furious than he is at the ground. That's how furious. Wait, wait. You don't want to say these things. That insinuates you watch him. I never, I saw a highlight on Twitter. I, I couldn't block the person quick enough. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's let's just sidebar for a second because that was the greatest night in fantasy football Twitter history. I've never seen such incredible creativity out of the community as a whole. Like sometimes we latch onto these like memes and, they're, and then they're they're like very cringy and like not that funny. The Isaiah Pacheco run was hilarious. Like everyone that I saw was so funny. So kudos to you, fantasy football uh, community. You did a great job. Anyway, then we move on. We have like Geno Smith, Kyron Williams, David Montgomery, George Kittle, Ramondre Stevenson, Brian Robinson, Daniel Jones, like all these guys. I'm like, I'd rather have Nico, Nico than all of them. And the reason yeah. I'm, I'm going to I think this is why. fake news. I, I think that you're just citing a bunch of names that you can't actually trade for Nico and Collins. I don't think that's accurate. I mean, I you can't do it accurate. I'm not saying you're going think, into every league and making that trade in every league, but some leagues you'll be able to. I think that. Those leagues are probably leagues you're not in. Not like you, Drew. I mean, you, listener. Like, <laughs> I, I acknowledge it, like, somewhere out there. I, I would say I've gotten to the point now where I'm in, like, enough leagues that I don't know that I can necessarily speak for what's happening in the majority of, like, home leagues for people that have certainly never heard of me and certainly never heard of Drew. Um, but I feel like I can speak pretty confidently on the market of league with people who are on Twitter, um, just based off of the sheer number of them that I'm in and the sheer number of like group chats with mouth breathing dynasty feeds that I'm in. You're not getting Nico calls for Isaiah Pacheco. If you are in a league with people who have Twitter accounts, it's just not happening. And if that's the case then I'm not buying Nico Collins. I'm merely buying at what you might be able to get Nico Collins. You might be able to get Nico Collins for Jackson Smith and Jigba because I've seen that three times in the last three days on Fantasy Cal. Not doing that. Let's not get crazy. You might be able to get Nico Collins for T. Higgins because that's something that we debated back and forth in the Discord. Yeah, I'm absolutely not doing that either. That's outrageous. You might be able to get Nico Collins for Drake London. Because that was done in a league that I'm in. Okay, I'm also not doing that. Obviously, what you're trying to do here is rein me back so that I'm not taking a full L. I'm only taking a partial L. I'm no, what I'm trying to do is, is I'm trying to I'm trying to give the perspective of the person on this podcast who actually plays Dynasty. Um, <laughs> so I think that's an important perspective since I assume that the listener is playing Dynasty. Um, I think that I think that if you want Nico now you probably have to pay up. Um, I was frankly like very willing to just like give Nico away 
for most of the season. I have like a good chunk. Well, I had a good chunk of Nico. I've sold some. Um, and if you wanted Nico off me a couple weeks ago, like give me one of those fake sell highs that I talk about sometimes early in the season, I was probably taking the fake sell high. Uh, if you want Nico off of me now, it's it's time to pay the piper for sure. But he is available. Like we've seen now, Adam Harstad, probably the greatest dynasty mind of our generation. He's already been cited, I think, four times in this uh, here podcast. He released his dynasty wide receiver rankings for the first time in like two years. He posted them, and Nico Collins appears ahead of T Higgins. And appears ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, so something to consider there. I think Matt Harmon came out with his profile today. It is glowing on Nico Collins. Top five graded PFF. Why, you know, he's young, projects well rest of the season. Football guys has him projecting wide receiver 17 from here on out rest of the season. Young, gonna produce, right? That's the thing people always say to me. This is the Harstad-ism, right? Youth plus rest of the season production equals value. That's it. That's it. All right, so let, let, me, let me explain why I'm like leaning into Nico Collins at this point. So prior to this week, we had... You're leaning in, you're leaning in now at two weeks ago's prices that I've been Two weeks ago prices. On the website. Uh, and here, let me find it. So... The, the the hesitation here for me is that uh, one, I think Tank Dell is real good, so I think that's a bit problematic. Nico Collins is not playing all the snaps. That's another issue that I have, and I'm I'm getting a little. He I'm still a little snaps this week. Had the most snaps this week. Uh, was it by a lot though? I feel like it was no, pretty darn close. Like one snap. I was gonna say I thought they were like all fifty three or something. It's 55, uh, 54, 52 off the top. Oh, okay, down. So like. Yeah, but none of them played all the snaps this week is, I, I guess, the bigger takeaway. Like, no, because kind of Mechie plays sometimes, and he used to typically take Nico off, and I think this week he was just kind of taking everybody off interchangeably. Yeah. So that's still a bit concerning for me. I'm like, if he's this good, he should probably be on the field all the time. Uh, but, like, he's he's got a very attractive, like, physical profile. Like, he's 6'4", 215. He's play- Whoa. Wow. Isn't it a little horny? He's an attractive physical profile. Yeah. Well, he's Carl yeah, Johansson. He's a very handsome man. <laughs> well built. But uh, anyway, so what happened was his first game was like, meh. It was average. It was fine. Like he had a 80 yards and it was like a totally normal 80 yard game. And then his second game was like exceptional. He had like a 90.8 yeah. PFF grade. Then his third game was terrible. That's when Tank Dell like just took over. And I was like, we need Tank Dell. Let's go. Actually, I think I was in week two. I was might have been on Tank Dell, like really in, but week three, obviously, it continued. And then last week, he did special things, very special things. He had a ninety-three point three PFF grade. P- yeah. like, I know a lot of people are like, like the what do you call it? The vocal minority is like, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure it's the vocal minority that's hitting us with like this anti-PFF grade thing because the PFF grades are very good, actually. Yes, they are. <laughs> like, I think people don't understand because there are oddball ones like they're like you're gonna see Darrell Henderson with like an 85 grade when all he ever put up was like 73 grades. Like there there are weird things that happen like that. But for the most part, I think most well, of 
the people that play fantasy football are kind of like into it now. Well, and I think that people also like just don't understand that sometimes average players have great games and that when PFF gives an average player a great grade in a single game or when one player has an outlier graded season, that that just is probably sometimes true. Like maybe sometimes it's not. Maybe sometimes they're grading someone too high. But like not every single player just plays at the same level every single game. And not every single game is like a new referendum on who that player is where they have to yeah. be entirely re-understood. Sometimes players just have bad games and good games and PFF is just recording what they're seeing at that moment in time. They're not like trying to be predictive. They're actually yeah. trying to just be descriptive. And then sometimes it's used in predictive ways, but that's not like, it's not like if they were creating a model where they were like trying to grade it, where they were just making predictive judgments on the players for the rest of their career, it would actually be useless because they wouldn't really be doing anything. They would just be saying like, well, Jamar Chase played bad today, but I think he's the best receiver in the league. 90. Right. Like all the, they're actually, <laughs> we're using a descriptive metric in a predictive way, which is helpful, but it, sometimes people I think are like, PFF grades suck. They said this guy played well. It's like, he probably played well. Yeah. Yeah. He might, like he, he might play well once. He might even do it right. twice. And that's where we're at with Nico Collins now. He's done it twice in four weeks yeah. uh, with 90 grade, over 90 grades, 90.8, 93.3. And I'm sitting here thinking, knowing how PFF grades work, this is going to be a pretty strong grade, even if he really sucks the rest of the year. Not not the rest of the year, till the trade deadline. Like that's kind of where I'm thinking about Nico Collins at this point. Right. From week five, I guess we're in, till like week 12 or whenever your trade deadline is, 13. I don't know when most people's trade deadlines are. Right. Mine are always the last week of the season. So that's kind of where I'm thinking. And I'm like, man, in the next like, 10 weeks or nine weeks or eight weeks or however many weeks we got, he's going to have to do really, really bad to not come out of this with like a really strong PFF grade. And, oh, yeah. and then, so then I'm going to be like, you know what? I can probably go to my league mates and they'll be aware more than likely because I don't play in the casual leagues, unfortunately, that. Nico Collins does have a very strong PFF grade, and they might be thinking, oh, yeah, he's got a really good PFF grade. And then you factor in also that CJ Stroud looks to be incredible. And I'm thinking, I'm always preaching, let's chase the ceiling, let's chase the ceiling, let's chase the ceiling. He's not that expensive, so let's chase the ceiling. And I'm like, we could be talking about Nico Collins, a bona fide alpha, with CJ Stroud, a bona fide gunslinger, in a high-volume offense, and like, there's a lot of ceiling here, and I understand that the oh, the the risk is is not nothing because this is a player that did nothing for two years. Uh, but also, like you know, he had uh, what was that terrible quarterback's name the last couple of years? Well, yeah, uh, Davis Mills. Mills. Yeah, Mills. Yeah. So, like, can we really fault him for being terrible? Probably to some degree, but uh, well, also, like, I think there's a bit of a narrative there that we could lean into. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, I feel like if, if he smashes, then I want him on my team. And if he doesn't smash, then I feel like I can get out for basically what I would have to put in now, even if he's like mediocre rest of year. So. I think that that is pretty convincing. Um, at least depending on what you're giving up. I have him ranked like I, I struggle with the buy sell stuff because I don't know what your league is. And so that's why I don't call players buys or sells. I, I just say what I think I value them at. And then if you can buy for less than that, 
great. And if you can sell for more than that, it's great. I have him ranked in my late first tier. Um, some of the players that are ranked around him, and I just did an update this week. I have him. Here, here's the other players at the top of the late first tier. Brock Purdy, James Cook, Jordan Addison, Calvin Ridley, Christian Watson, Quentin Johnston, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Ramondre Stevenson, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Dalton Kincaid, and then we're into Dawson, Hollywood, Judy, Keenan, etc. Um, Nico is the fourth from the top in that tier. So I don't know if those sound like names that you think are, are more or less on the same plane as Nico Collins. Um, I probably won't be buying him this week. Mostly no, just not because, like, he just had this insane game. People are getting really steamy. This is kind of the week where you might just want to try and sell and shoot for the moon and land among the stars, so to speak. Um, not to get too micro. I think that there's some element of, like, you know, kind of what I said about Christian Kirk and Zay Jones last year, where I was like, really? Like, Kirk and Jones and Ingram, like, they all have their best year at the same time? Like, it's like, that's just a coincidence. I kind of feel like with Nico and Dell... Like a lot of this is just like Stroud rocks and kind of lifting everybody up above their station. And mm-hmm. I think that I, I think that we're gonna see them kind of still ping-pong some of these weeks back and forth. Like it probably won't be as dramatic as like week two, Nico is like a top five wide receiver. Week three, Dell is a top five wide receiver and Nico catches two balls. This week Nico's a top five wide receiver and and Dell catches like one ball. Um I do think though, next two next three weeks, I think we might see Nico's price normalize. He gets AJ Terrell this week against Atlanta. Historically a better matchup against some of these bigger wide receivers. And then similar, Marshawn Lattimore, week after that, who is I wouldn't even say he's a great corner necessarily, but he's a really good stylistic match against Nico Collins. And then they go on bye. So I do think there's a possibility for two pedestrian games in a bye week. And Maybe at that point, uh, you know, people are back to kind of where, maybe not all the way where they were after week three, but maybe back in that same attitude where it's like, he's flash, but it hasn't been as sustained. Like, you know, and I'm, and maybe he just completely eviscerates AJ Terrell and Marshawn Lattimore, in which case I'm never going to be able to buy him again. But I think I'd rather take that risk because some of the guys that I've seen it, some of the prices I've seen it take to get him at this point are already uh, prohibitive. I do agree that the ceiling is immense with Stroud. I mean, CJ Stroud, talk about guys that moved up. We're going to talk about the rookies in a second. Um, you know, I think he's a top 12 overall dynasty asset at this point. I have him directly at 12. And even more than that, I think he would rank... He would be in my top five of who do I want my wide receivers playing in their offense rankings, right? Like it's him, Burrow... Herbert, Tua, um, Lawrence, like that's like that's the group of like, you know, if I want if I have a wide receiver in Dynasty, who do I want them tied to for the rest of their career? Stroud is like sky high in that scenario. So uh, the ceiling is there. I'm probably going to try and buy Dell this week just because he's the one that might you know be more gettable. The the last week. week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like maybe we just ping pong yeah. the buys, but. Um, yeah, I think both these guys are probably for the long haul, and I hope that they just fucking give it up already and stop playing Robert Woods so many snaps. <laughs> that would be nice. I yeah, I think yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I don't think this is the week you go out and buy um, uh, Nico Collins. I just wanted to take my L while it was fresh, 
and say I was wrong. He's good. You were right. This this sucks, but I'm also. I might really not be excited. right enough. I, like I was all in in best ball. Literally my most drafted player in best ball. Uh, I drafted a lot of them in seasonal leagues. I was a little overweight in dynasty, but I sold some after week two. And clearly, I guess I shouldn't have because um, I probably get on more on all those shares now. So there's an L for me. Uh, this happens to me all the time. Uh, anytime I like someone who's a little off the radar, a little off the beaten path, I get to enjoy that hit for like one week. And then either they fail and people get mad at me or they succeed. And then I tell everybody to sell them and then people get mad at me. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a very good at holding all the way to the top, except... For one player. Um, let's get into it. Uh, I was going to talk about Kyron Williams, the guy who I think is going to fall off. Sure. Um, do you care talking about Kyron Williams? No, he's going to fall off. So Okay. Yeah, I'll just say it really briefly. I think that Kyron, Will- Kyron Williams has now had like two really great fantasy weeks, which is week two and week four. And he's had the distinct pleasure of ranking dead last in rush yards over expectation in both of those weeks that he's seen this really high rushing volume. Um, This is just the kind of thing that happens when you take a player with non-NFL quality athleticism and non-NFL quality size and you force 25 carries on them. Like, it's going to be a disaster for real life, obviously not for fantasy. Like, if you give anyone 25 carries and five targets in a game like over and over again it will provide fantasy value i i just this is like one of the least tenable running back workhorses i can ever recall um i don't know it, it honestly might last for the season but that's totally possible it's not like there's anyone else here obvious like i still think Zach Evans is good but the rams obviously don't they don't even want to make him active so like if you're counter to this it's like yeah i get it Kyron williams sucks but so does Ronnie Rivers and Evans or whatever. They trust him in pass pro. They don't care if he can run or they think he can run. Um, sure. I, I think that, look, if you if, if all you're getting offered is like second round picks, fuck it. Like just enjoy the fun for as long as it lasts. And if it dies, it dies. If you can ever like combine him and not much else and get into first round pick range, like, uh, of all of the Elijah Mitchells and Michael Carter's and Tyler Algiers and Miles Gaskins and James Robinson's, this strikes me as like by a mile the least likely to have any legs into the following year. And and I still would be like quite surprised if we reached the fantasy playoffs and he's a top ten running back. Like I still think at some point in time, either someone else getting a shot, or they're making a trade, or they're signing a dude, or he's just gonna get hurt. Like I, I just think this is like pretty absurd what's happening, and he just, I just don't think he's like capable of doing this at a high level. Yeah, it's really funny that you, you basically nailed the Devin Singletary uh, corollary, if you will. You can be slow, you can be small, you can be small and slow. <laughs> so we'll see, yeah. man. So far, he's, he's just shoving it down our throat, but it's like. He's basically doing he's basically doing like 2021 Leonard Fournette impersonation, but as a 195 pound guy. Like he's doing the I catch passes, I play every snap, and I suck. But he's doing it as like a small dude, and I just feel yeah. like that's probably less likely to continue. I don't know. Yeah, and a small dude that wasn't drafted fourth overall. <laughs> right. Like 
uh, yeah. So the the interesting thing about this is like you know, like you said, like we have Ronnie Rivers and we have um, uh, what's his name Evans. Yeah. What's his first name? Zach. Zach Evans. And, and who knows who they have in the process squad? I have no idea. And people always have this like thing where they're like, especially these guys, these kind of guys, where they just like come out of nowhere and now they have the job and they're like, well, I couldn't possibly foresee any other circumstance in which this player gets replaced because everyone else is so irrelevant. Failing to, of course, realize the player in question was that guy last week. I mean, this was four weeks ago, but like Kyron Williams was irrelevant four weeks ago. And now he has a starting job for four weeks. It's only a matter of time before the next irrelevant guy pops up. Or he's just, you know, starts playing really bad, even worse than he already is. And we're not getting the points. They stop letting him run every, every route and take every carry and so on and so forth. Like these day three players that pop up time and time again are flashing the pans. The, the true, like, Staying power is quite rare. Sure, you have your odd Aaron Jones. Uh, you know, you got that. But Aaron uh, Jones, Aaron Jones never was run, was like struggling in efficiency. No, Aaron Jones Aaron came Jones on was from the day he stepped on the field. Like, right? Like, there's a big difference. Like, sometimes you get these guys and you look at an Aaron Jones and you're like, I don't know if I trust it because he, you know, is small and he's day three, whatever else. But you're like, man, the guy's good. Right, like but with Byron, I'm like, oh, he's like scoring a lot of fantasy points. Oh, he su- still sucks though. <laughs> like, it's, so it's just it's different. Like, it's not like an Aaron Jones taking the world by fire. To me, the most similar guy is Miles Gaskin as a non-rookie. Yeah, was not particularly efficient, undersized, but did see a ton of work in college. Like, I'll give Kyron that. He saw a lot of work at Notre Dame. Um. And uh, obviously, you know, Gaskin, it, it kind of worked for the whole year. He got hurt, did come back. Um, he regained his role. You know, and then then the really crazy thing with Gaskin is then they didn't re- they didn't actually draft anyone to replace him the next year. So everybody's like, oh, we're going to get under a year of this. Uh, and, then, and then we did it. And they were just like, we didn't draft anyone to replace him, and we're still not really using you much. I can't even remember who they used. Um, no one. Like, they just they just used everyone. Like, it was it was nothing. Like, like we Philip didn't Lindsay, have I think, running got some back run. in Miami. What's that? Like Philip Lindsay, I think, got some run. I don't know. Who else was on who else was on that team? Salvin Ahmed was not dude on there, or Ahmed or whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. And was was there, one of them. Who's that guy that the comedian guy always uh, Patrick Laird. Is that his name? Patrick Laird. Yeah, Patrick Laird. That was a big one. But yeah, yeah so like weird. I like that's an excellent example of exactly what I'm talking about. Who's going to replace this guy? Nobody could possibly do it. Oh, literally, guys, you've never heard of. Replace the guy that you've never heard of. Like, it, it just isn't a stretch for me. Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown got some usage. Yeah. The next guy is probably also going to be somebody you did not expect. The unpredictable is predictable in this case. Not that we know who it is, but that we know that it's coming to an end at some point. And it's probably coming to an end sooner than you want to believe it is. And there's there's like he's scoring points right now. Even if he keeps the job rest of the season, he's probably not going to keep scoring points at this rate. So his value is going to keep going down as he starts losing work. Then you have to survive an offseason, which is like the most terrifying thing you can do as a day three running back bag holder. Because they never like saying never is is you know incorrect. It's like you're 
You don't you don't right. say not never, but it's usually definitive never. things like that when you're arguing with your spouse, for instance, or giving fantasy football takes. You but like it's Rarely. it's it's extremely rare that these guys hold their job for multiple years. Like yes. if they get through the first year, you just thank your lucky stars, you take the points to the bank, and you cash out at that point. That's the James Robinson thing, right? Like I did a video on James Robinson showing like, hey, this is every like rookie that right. was awesome. And then look at none of them actually mattered ever again. Like they they had their day in the sun. One guy had like another top 12 season and the rest of the list completely disappeared within a year. So Kyron Williams is not here for the long run. It may end this season. It may end next season. It doesn't really matter. He's very valuable right now comparatively to what he was. And I'm just not sure it's going to go up very much because he's not that good. So get out while you still can. Um, yes. Okay. Let's talk about the rookies. Uh, we're going to do a little quick transition. Um, in rookie drafts this year, there was a lot of movement within the top six, but something that almost everybody agreed with, and really it was such a clear market distinction that even if you didn't agree with it personally, you, you almost just had to draft this way or trade out or something else because it was so clear cut. But basically it was Bijan Robinson was one. And then in some order, we're talking about Anthony Richardson, talking about Benjamin Gibbs, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Jackson Smith, and Jigba. That order that I just read them out is the order of their uh, closing ADPs in rookie drafts in May, but uh, certainly there was a lot of variance within those latter five names. What we're going to talk about now is how we think we would order that top six today. Um, Having done my rankings, it has become a cluster. We have really Bijan Robinson, everything that we asked, everything that we expected. Uh, two of the quarterbacks in Richardson and Stroud have certainly done a lot to help their cause early on to the point that I think that that is kind of separating in the market and I think correctly as a top three. And then the rest of this top six, Gibbs, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Bryce Young. Very slow starts. Meanwhile, we have guys like Sam Laporta, Devon A-Chain from the late first. They Flowers from the late first. I should say A-Chain and Laporta really more the one-two turn. Laporta even into the mid-second sometimes. And then everyone's favorite fourth-round pick slash fifth-round pick slash UDFA, Pukunakua. That's probably the nine right now or the 10 right now. Who are we picking in our top six? Let's start, let's start at the very, very top. Is Bijan Robinson still the 101 or has he been usurped by either of the quarterbacks? No, I think Bijan's still the 101. Um, it, it depends on how we're doing it, right? Like I always do my rankings of I have to draft this player and keep them forever. So I want Bijan. I. If I could draft this player and not keep them forever, I think it'd be a lot closer between him and Anthony Richardson. Because I think Richardson has been far better than advertised in college. Even though it's like and I don't know, it's it's such a small sample. Like his he's still not completing passes at anywhere near a respectable. Don't care. Rate. Watch the game, bro. <laughs> this is just a watch the games, bro situation. Like you yeah. just, you just so, have to watch the games and you'd have to see him do it on vibes. And yeah. it's fine. 
I don't care yeah. his completion percentage. It's yeah. It, well, he's just like making miracles happen. Like he he's like late game heroics. Like he he just seems yeah, to like get it. You know, like he's it's he's Michael Vicking it up. Like people are like, yeah. oh, his completion percentage doesn't matter. It's fine. I mean, it does to some degree. You you can't run a functional right. offense well, long term completing forty percent of your passes. But can he get to sixty percent? Yeah, probably he can. Maybe I hope so. I think he can. I don't know. Probably not. It doesn't matter. Um, Maybe it matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one okay. One of the things about his completion percentage is like, look, his completion percentage is always going to be fake low, because I, I like a lot of the times that other players would be like checking down for a two yard gain to some running back or backup tight end. Like he's just scrambling, so like those now don't count as completions because he's just going to throw less checkdowns. So, like, instead of having, like, eight checkdowns a game, he's just, like, going to have those be eight scrambles, and, and that's fine. Um, he's not, like, necessarily throwing at a super high eight on. He did throw downfield a lot more this week than he did in week one, um, hence, like, the 45% completion percentage or whatever it is. But that's one thing to consider. And then the other thing is it's just, I don't know, it's just it's all vibes, no breaks, man. Like, he, he he's just... He's just doing his thing. Like sometimes the pass comes out, it's nowhere fucking near the receiver at all. There's no chance. It's like throwing it to a different field altogether. I don't know who it's to. I don't know what the goal was. And you look back and he's just like smiling. He's like, Yeah, that was a foul ball. That's fine. Only got two strikes. I still got a bat in my hands. Foul this one off. Whoops. <laughs> Live to play another. Like the next one's a dime. Um <laughs> You know, the throw that he, man, he makes, like, he already makes some of the coolest throws in the NFL. You you must have seen on Twitter the throw where he, like, gets away from the guy rushing behind him and then does, like, a jump pass into the lap yeah. of Aaron Donald for, like, 40 yards, and it's, like, bang on target to Alec Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that, like, defies physics. Like, I don't understand how that was humanly possible to throw that ball. Yeah, so his dot has been wild. Like his first game was 5.3, not good. His second yeah. game, he only passed, uh, what do you have, 10 pass attempts? Yeah, and then he got so not that many, but like 1.9. Like he was just dunking yeah. or dinking and dunking the whole time. And then his last game, 13.5. He, he was airmailing. He was him. slinging. <laughs> he was chucking. So, like, yeah, he, he went from, it looked like he was completing all these passes. He had a 64%, then he had a 60%. It was like, yeah, I mean, those are pretty good, but those are, like, pretty right. high percentage passes. And he's probably competing, completing them at much yeah. lower rates than other completion percentage over expected is dead last in the NFL. Yeah. And there's not been this whole thing about this, like, there's been the chart controversy because people posted the chart. Some, like, troll account posted the chart that was basically a completion percentage over expected versus EPA per dropback chart. Oh, yeah. And... Like you can read that a few ways. Like if you do the thing where you're like these two things are equal, and then you like read it diagonally, he actually shows up as last, um, even though he's like positive EPA per dropback. It's just that his completion percentage of expectation is like, so, bad. so brutal that he shows up last. But like you probably shouldn't read it diagonally because EPA is just a better stat. Um, and also, like there's something to be said for like. The ability it, to still be a net positive on every drop back while not being able to complete a pass is like kind of cool. <laughs> Just imagine if he could complete more passes. His EPA would right. be through the roof. I mean, the one thing is like people should say like CPOE just like fully disregards running. Yeah. Which like it's if, like a if big Anthony Richardson, yeah. if Anthony Richardson like didn't run, he would have been undrafted. 
So yeah. I feel like like clearly the money is a big part of the deal. <laughs> I I do feel, and I don't I don't know enough about like the calculation of EPA, but it does strike me, especially in these small samples, that it's very like touchdown heavy. Is that well, of course accurate? It is right. Yeah, I, I mean, realistically, like any stat, even good stats in four week samples, and in Anthony Richardson's case, it's basically a two week sample. Yeah, um, are just not going to be like worthy of like whole lot of discussion. Yeah, yeah, I feel like his EPA was slightly inflated because he's got he's got a pretty high TD rate, I think, because he doesn't have that many passes. He's got three touchdowns. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh and then and then like his rushing he ran is for calling. one or two. Yeah. He well he had a lot of rushing yards, I think, like fifty or sixty. Oh yeah, I mean touchdowns each game, right? For one or two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, like Anthony Richardson, yes, I'm I'm very intrigued by Anthony Richardson. Always was, but I was always like, I want to see him on the football field in the NFL before I'm like, it's an acceptable risk to take. Now I'm like, if you got him, just hold him. Like I don't think he's gonna get replaced next week or anything like they're gonna give him some no he's not gonna replace anytime soon um so yeah i'm look i i understand that there are a lot of bear stands who preemptively said that they had the answer at quarterback and then like that became less and less likely but they just stuck to their blind certainty and i just want everybody to know that as the colts fan um i don't care what happens I will be holding to the prior that Anthony Richardson is our quarterback in the future, no matter what, and against all evidence. <laughs> because we're all in, baby, all vibes, no data. There is, there is nothing more infuriating than fandom analysis. <laughs> so anyways, I'm taking Bijan, and then I'm taking Anthony Richardson, and then I'm taking C.J. Stroud, just because C.J. Stroud doesn't have the same type of ceiling available to him that Anthony Richardson does. Even though I think C.J. Stroud is easily the best of the three quarterbacks thus far, I'm just not like, what's the word? I'm not like super in in, in fantasy. Like I think your ranking of them at what do you say, twelve, thirteen? I have them at twelve. So I have I have them in the same order that you have them. I have Bijan at nine and Richardson at ten, and I have both of those guys in a tier that is three to four base ones spanning from five to eleven. And then I have Stroud at the very top of a little two-man tier, which is 2.5 to three base ones, and it's him at 12 and Tua at 13. They're in a little tier by themselves. That's that's perfectly acceptable. I think, I think like, yeah, I think that's kind of where I would expect. Like, I think it was last week maybe even where we were like, what's CJ Stroud going to be worth at the, you know, this time next year or, like, beginning right. of next season? And we said he's going to be a one-two turn. And I think – having him there is just getting there early and it's fine. That's where he's going to be anyway. So if you want to buy now, I think he's still like 25 or something on uh, fantasy calc. I don't know where he is at Katie's at keep chart cut, but uh, right. yeah, I think we're moving in that direction pretty rapidly. Like he's doing things. I would that- actually be buying Stroud right now, if anything, because oh, like he's three? just on, sorry, of the three, you mean? Um, just, well, probably, probably, like, I mean, I would buy Bijan because, like, I just, I'm like always going to be buying Bijan. Um, yeah. I'm not super sure if, like, we're ever getting a realistic chance to buy Anthony Richardson again. Okay, I guess here's the difference that I that I see between them. So, like, I like Richardson more than Stroud. I guess 
to be clear, if I could pay the same price for either, I would rather have Richardson. Yeah. I, I think that with Stroud, like the market might be a little bit slower to adjust in some yeah. places where you might actually be able to get him. Basically, I was having this discussion about the quarterbacks in a group chat that I'm in a while, uh, for a long time last night. We were talking about like Burrow and Lawrence and Herbert in relation to Stroud and Tua. And like, is this two tiers? Is this the same tier? And at first, I was like, I think it's all the same tier. When I actually did the rankings, I was like, I don't know if it's the exact same, but it's like kind of the same. That's why I had this little half tier um, where it's just like a confidence level thing. I think from like a market perspective, like Stroud is just like inevitably on his way to the Burrow and Herbert zone. So I feel like if you just want to like trade for him and just like know that he's like going to be there at the end of the year and then you just like can then trade him then. And if someone is not quite realizing that he is fully going to be there at the end of the year yet and you get to bank a profit, then you can just do that. Because like that's that's just happening. Like unless he breaks his leg, whatever else, like this is his locked in Sometimes you can be overreactionary. I, I don't care. Quarterbacks, look, we get a way bigger sample every game out of quarterbacks than we get out of a wide receiver. Wide receivers, we're talking about, they probably get seven or eight targets most of the time. Quarterbacks, they drop back a lot, right? They're dropping back 40, 45 plays. Like when we're talking about the sample of a wide receiver versus a quarterback in one single data set, we're talking about like six times the amount of relevant plays. So we're getting a larger sample already. CJ Stroud already has 172 dropbacks this season in four right, games. Exactly. It's right. wild. No, like Puka, I guess, is going to have 172 targets, but none of the rest of the wide receivers um, in the whole season. So we're already getting like a season's worth of sample on him, basically, um, from a wide receiver perspective. Also, just rookie quarterbacks are never really good. It's very rare when they are. And when they are good, they're almost always awesome, and I only have to say almost because fucking Baker Mayfield exists. There's a few. Mac Jones was pretty awesome relative to rookie quarterbacks. He had like the same okay. PFF grade as uh, as Baker Mayfield, which is wild. Okay, he was like okay, he was very good compared to rookie quarterbacks. I I don't know if this is just a vibe based take or if this is like quantifiable, but I just don't think that him and Stroud are like at all comparable from what I Mac Jones? Mac Jones' rookie season versus what Stroud Oh, on. no. No. Mac Jones was like the 15th overall pick. CJ Stroud is the number two pick to a quarterback. Right. I like, think like, he looks already awesome. Like, I don't even think that Stroud is like just like good for a rookie. Like, I think he's actually just a good quarterback like, already. Well, his, so his PFF grades, he went 55.6, 64, 80, 75. Like, I'm not... Yeah. If, if you just like throw out the first game he's ever played in the NFL. He's like one of the best quarterbacks in football right now. <laughs> right. Which so I just think it's like, like honestly, at this point, it would be like outright fucking shocking if this guy's not awesome. So I, well, I think that... Have you seen the tweets I, about like his first four games passing yardage? Yeah, it's like best ever, isn't it? Or close yeah, to it. it's hilarious. Like It's like Andrew Luck and I forget who else, but like a couple of good players and also him. And then right. number one on the list, of course, is Cam Newton. <laughs> which is hilarious. But it, I don't know if you remember if you were playing fantasy football. He threw 400 then. yards his first two starts, I believe. First two games ever, he threw 400 yards for pop. And I was like, this right. is crazy. Like, he was not supposed to be able to roll. He was supposed nuts. to be worse than Anthony Richardson. Right. No, he Maybe was not. Maybe not worse. But. Um, yeah, basically, that's where I would see with Stroud, right? And I think it's like a certainty. Like, I think we... we it's, 
the ceiling is lower than Richardson because he doesn't run. But I'm like, this train is already in motion, and it's driven by it's on autopilot. Like it's just it's yeah. just driving towards Herbert, and it's gonna get there. And for as long as you can trade before it's there, you just keep firing at it. Is my take. Richardson's a little different in that, like, in theory, this train is going to Lamar and Hurt Station, but there are there are intersections. <laughs> like there's there's the there's Fields Way. <laughs> there's there's like there's like Lance Valley. I guess it's not Lance Valley because Lance really got to start. But like there's. I don't think there's a lot of questions about it in the short term, but there are, I still do have long-term questions about Richardson, which as a crazy as it sounds after four games, I already don't about Stroud. So I think with Richardson, like if you can get a price where you're just like, I I'm getting a really good price on this super high upside quarterback. I'm down and I'm not necessarily saying he's a sell, but I think you can just like process by Stroud under the absolute certainty that if he hasn't already maxed out the value of that archetype, he's going too soon. Um, whereas Richardson, I think is a little bit more still like a risk reward bet. Um, yeah. and obviously the reward is, is absolutely massive, but that's why I think I'm probably less likely to actually be able to purchase him versus, um, Stroud. Yeah. I think the other thing that is somewhat surprising with CG Stroud, and it's only been four games. So I think we need to like, let it marinate for a while, but he's already averaging like 13 yards per game rushing, which I thought he'd be like at zero. So right. that's kind of exciting. Like there's a little tiny rushing floor there, uh, which is which is neat, but it's only been four games. So I think we just need to like wait it out and, and see if that actually materializes. But that's like, that's like roughly what Justin Herbert rushes for. He rushes for 15 yards per game. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. I honestly thought he's going to be like Mac Jones where we have like zero, like literally zero. So I'm. Yeah, goal line touchdown sure. run that got called back with yeah. the hole this week. Yeah. No. So, yeah. Anyways, Cedar Stroud, love him. I think I think like Cedar Stroud is like the perfect example of like just let the draft come to you. You know, like I felt right. like in rookie drafts, nobody wanted CJ Stroud. He was no. like the leftover guy. It was all it was all, all these one of sixes where I was yeah. like, oh Stroud again. All right. Oh yeah, Stroud again. Fine. Oh, I got Stroud him in a couple weeks too, and I'm like, I did go into the draft being like, man, I need to get CJ Stroud. Like he's my dude. It's just like, I like him, and he's available, so I'll pick him. And I think that's, like, one of the advantages of, like, trading back within tiers and stuff. Is like, because if you were picking at, you know, 102, and you were looking at uh, Bryce Young, or trading back to CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson at 104, I think, like, that's a pretty easy trade back. And, you know, you never really know who the best player is right. going into it. You yeah, Panthers. Hey, right. I said at Panthers, at trading Panthers. everything to go get the 101 <laughs> instead of just sitting. God, I gotta say, I had so many tweets um, about the cult situation at 104 where I was like, don't move up, just like stay there and just, just pick whoever comes there. Like, we're gonna get a guy um, and let's just see who it is. Uh, it is. It is ironic that. The one team that went all out to go and get their guy at 101, and it's still early, but at least this point, it's like they got the worst of the bunch. Worst one. Um, and they paid a lot for it. Uh, and they gave up all the assets and their wide receiver. So 
now they need him to be the best because they don't have any realistic path to ever get him a weapon ever again, <laughs> which is tough. Yeah, um, it's too bad for them. Speaking of him, let's get into this next group. So, for perspective, I have Bijan Richardson and Stride, like I said, 9, 10, and 12. To get into the next group, I, in my rankings, move all the way down to 31. But then I have six rookies from 31 to 40, all in my 1.25 to 1.5 base ones tier. Where do you stand on... Let's first just talk about the other members of that core six in and amongst themselves, and then I'll bring in some of the some of the usurpers that are coming from lower in the ADP ranks. So let's talk about Gibbs, Young, and JSN. That was the order in which they were drafted in Ricky Draft. Um, that actually is still the order that I have them. Um, what's the order that you have those three at this time? Uh, which, sorry, which ones did you say? Uh, Gibbs, Bryce yeah. Young, and Jack Smith and Jigba. And I have to pick from those three for the next three? Uh, well, I'm just saying let's let's ignore like the Pukas and the HMs and whatever oh, for okay. now. Okay, let's sir. just talk about these three. And let's, let's talk about what order you'd have them in. And, and also just like panic meter. Like I think a lot of people are kind of panicked on each of these guys. How panicked are you on each of these guys? First kind of in a vacuum. And then we'll talk about the Pukas, the HNs, the Laportas, and Flowers. And kind of if any of them are taking these guys' place in your mind. Yeah, so Bryce Young, I'm not like overly concerned about at this point. Uh, I think he's suffering a little bit of the Tua issue when That's Tua exactly was who I comped him to last night is the two Evers is Herbert and Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just playing with some really good quarterbacks in his class and it's making him look really, really bad. I think we're three games into his career because he missed one game. I think he played injured to some degree last week. And he's got Adam Thielen. Like that's his dude. Like that's not not best case scenario by any stretch. My understanding is their offensive line isn't that good. And I'm just like kind of giving him a bit of a pass. Also what I found is that outside of like extremes, rookie production really doesn't matter all that much. It's more about the profile heading into year two. So I'm probably just not going to panic on Bryce Young unless it's absolutely atrocious, like Jared Goff level bad. And if we get that, and, and like Jared Goff was basically the worst quarterback we've ever seen as a rookie aside from like, uh, was that guy the Riders or Riders <laughs> Raiders mm. took? Uh, Jamarcus. Um, yeah, Jamarcus. Jamarcus. Aside from him, like Jared Goff is like the next worst rookie quarterback we've ever seen. And Jared Goff turned out completely fine. And the next guy is Matt Stafford. And he turned out completely fine as well. So at this point, I'm not panicking on Bryce Young. He's got a really strong rookie profile. He's playing a not great situation. I don't know that they'll be able to fix it. They're talking about trading for a bona fide wide receiver one as though yeah. those are easy to find. Like, what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> right, because all you have to do is just say, like, looking for the second most important thing in professional yeah. football, and surely like, every team will line up. Like, I saw some people on the Twitter replies being like, um, you know, Miami would probably make Waddle available. It's like, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> like, obviously, they're not going to make Waddle available. Like, why would they ever do that? Like, yeah, they can get a they can get a starting wide receiver. Like, I, I bet that Arizona would listen. Um, if they called about Hollywood Brown, I think that Denver would listen. If they called about Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, um, I think maybe give it a few weeks and the Bengals might listen on T Higgins. I, I don't think that they would listen yet, 
Um, but like T Higgins or, or maybe Devonte Adams would be like the only two guys. And it's a stretch where you could like, be like, this is an actual bona fide number one wide receiver that Carolina might be able to get. It probably cost them a ton. And I don't even think Adams is like worth doing for them. Right. It's like, like all you're doing there is making your team better now, which they're going to suck anyways. So Higgins is the only one that might make sense. The price tag would probably be astronomical. I don't know what assets they have. They traded a bunch of picks to Chicago. So like, I don't know, trade a second for Jerry Judy, totally possible. Um, I mean, certainly helps them. Like it would be nice to have one bona fide, competent NFL wide receiver. Um, Still not a bona fide number one receiver. I think like the guy I actually had in mind was Deontay Johnson. I feel like uh, that's possible. Yeah. I feel like the Steelers might view him as expendable and they don't really like paying wide receivers. Like they, they have a Mm. lot of wide receivers that have left over the years. That's that they true. did not resign that were like pretty good. Like dating back to like was it Mike Wallace? Was that like one of their good Mike ones? Mike Wallace, like, Emmanuel yeah. Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders. Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool. They traded her away for the first round pick. So like I feel like they're ready to wheel and deal. And I think if I can recall correctly, Deontay's up for a new contract. Is that right? I don't really follow contract. Got extended last year, but it we wasn't like extended. a long extension. So mm. let me just take a look at it. Um, anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. The, the point is more so that Bryce yeah, Young. He is, is, okay, he is under contract for this year and next year, but it was only a two-year extension. So he, uh, okay. it's not uh, – so only one additional year after this. Yeah, so sense. like someone like him would make sense where they're looking for like an actual wide receiver one that isn't like – a real wide receiver one, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, like, a, like, like at Deontay Johnson as a superstar. Like a bad wide receiver good. one. Yeah. 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 It's a little different than a bona fide one, but still. So anyway, I'm not really panicking on Bryce Young. I'm a little sad that he's not doing as well as his buddies are, but uh, that's life. Uh, I feel bad for him. And I'm really uh, happy that he's not doing as well as his buddies are because I think that Bryce Young is good because he had an exemplary prospect profile and because rookies starting bad for a month usually doesn't really matter that much. And the fun time to buy Bryce Young is if people think he's not good because if people think he is good, then I'm probably going to want to sell him because he doesn't really run. Um, So this is great for me. I didn't really draft any Bryce Young. um, And I would like to go ahead and start Buying some Bryce Young. I think, like, especially if you're not trying to win games this year, that's, like, one of the best players you can trade for right now, I, I think. That's a great idea. On a rebuild, like, where you are actively trying to lose, Bryce Young's your dude. It's <laughs> a great <laughs> idea. So, uh, Bryce Young, yeah, I'm not panicking. Are you, You're not panicking, obviously, too, then? I'm not at you're all panicking on Bryce Young. On the lack of panic? No. And then uh, JSN, I am not panicking on, like, Necessarily panic. I'm not panicking as much as the masses are panicking. Just a little bit. I got, I got like a slight tinge of panic, but it's not like I don't think that my panic on Jackson Smith and Jigga is that he's bad. I think it's that are we actually going to get fantasy points out of Jackson Smith and Jigga at any point in the next several years? That's that's where I'm kind of like hesitating. I'm like DK Metcalf isn't doing that good. Tyler Lockett isn't doing that good. Geno Smith isn't doing that good. JSN's doing terrible. 
Ken like, Walker's doing good. Ken Walker's doing great. Kenny <laughs> Bullets is lighting it up out there. So I'm just like kind of like I'm not Those like I'm not, doing good. I'm not panicking per se on JSN. I am concerned about are we ever gonna get anything remotely meaningful from JSN in like a reasonable time frame? Sure. In five years, maybe they rebuild everything and get a real quarterback or a better quarterback or a better system. Pete Carroll retires and we we have a brand new flashy high flying offense. Maybe I don't know. Anything is possible. But uh, in the immediate future, like this year, I'm I would say you're not getting anything from JSN. Next year, I'm like, uh, maybe we get a wide Lockett's receiver. Getting up there. I think Lockett is like I mean well, Lockett's I think- old. He's 31. He's either yeah. gonna be bad or gone in short order. I think JSN moves into the number two or number one A B role with DK next year. I'm just not certain that's ever going to be something I'm real excited about. It's fine if you're drafting Tyler Lockett at like wide receiver 40 every year to get a wide receiver 15 season, but JSN's not valued at wide receiver 40. That's where my like, I guess panic comes in is yeah. because the price tag is so high or was well, so high. Come down a bit. That's kind of my fear. I'm like still in on him as a good football player. It's just, yeah. The, I mean, the price tag basically kind of necessitated him being transcendent, just based on it for he's sure not did. drafted into a good situation. So to justify that, kind of needed to be transcendent, and I definitely buy that he could still be really good. It's only been four weeks. He was playing hurt. That's kind of the one thing that's keeping me at ease about it, is that he was playing with this wrist injury. But I guess kind of my take is, it's like, if he was truly transcendent, would we only have 62 yards, Jackson? If he truly was transcendent, we'd probably have more than 62 yards. Like, I'm not going to totally rule it out. I I just think that, I mean, okay, think about all of the best wide receivers in Dynasty right now. Okay, so Jefferson, Chase, Hill, Diggs. I'm not saying in Dynasty, like just the best wide receivers in the game. A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb. Like, I'm, I'm certainly missing some. Like, there's some counterexamples to this. Like, Cooper Cup, kind of. Devontae Adams, obviously. DeAndre Hopkins. But, like, a lot of these guys, like, especially if you just think about even the younger ones, right? Like, Jefferson, Chase, Lamb, Olave, Wilson. Like, they came out of the gate humming. Like, Amon Ross St. Brown would be an exception. Also, day three pick. Um... Like, it wasn't, like, some of these guys, like, A.J. Brown, for instance, he wasn't running all the routes at the beginning. But he was, like, running, like, 40% of the routes, and then he was going for 100 yards. And he was, like, play me more. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so good. Like, JSN's, you know, people are complaining about the usage, but, like, he's not doing anything to warrant more usage yet. So I think it's kind of on him right now. Um, he is the second lowest PFF passing grade of this class, which has 30 right, players in it. He's 29 out of 30. It's real bad. Right. But so, it's on 18 targets. So I'm gonna yeah. give him a pass at this point. Right. I'm giving it's him so a I'm bad. giving him a pass on being like a bust. I, I, I just I, I do think that, that we have legitimate reason 
to question the ceiling of his talent. Yeah. Um, because I think when we're talking about a transcendent talent, it's different than when we're talking about, is this guy good, right? Like, I think we have a right to be impatient. If we're talking about the hope is that this guy is like one of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL at some point. It's like, if he was going to be one of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL at some point, I think he would at least be a useful wide receiver right away. So we'll see, but I'm, um, I'm mildly concerned. I've moved him down a tier. Um, and I'm almost talking myself into moving down a little bit more. Okay. Here's the, here's the interesting one. JSN or Brandon Ayuk? Well, you got to ask all the hard questions, man. Uh, <laughs> JSN or Brandon Ayuk? I think it really, like, to use, like, the cop, like, it probably just depends on the team, right? If I don't need any points, then I'll just take JSN. And if I need points, then I'll take Brandon Ayuk. And if I have a team where... I'm like, I don't know. Let's say I only play in one league, for instance. Playing one league now, which is like how many I actually play in. I'm kidding. I don't. But uh, actually I play in zero. Yeah. If, if the joke is that I don't watch the game, I don't even play fantasy football. What are you guys talking about? I'm kidding. I play in like 15 leagues, but whatever. Uh, JSN is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I might take Brandon Ayuk at this point because I. I've, Ever since his rookie season, we've been in on Brandon Ayuk, the talent. Never bought into the situation necessarily. Uh, it was always like this is like a guy who's going to be good at some point. <laughs> uh, like, like, sorry, he's always good, but he's going to like really be good at some point when he gets unleashed, which could be happening next year, by the way. I'm kind of excited to see what happens if they – I think it's it. happening now. <laughs> I think it's. I think he said, "Fuck this situation. It's my situation. Everybody get in line." You think George, so? Like, you're. I think he just. It'll kill us nothing. I think he so went up to George just, Kettle and he said, "George, you've had a nice career. Your name is now Tyler Igby. Go, go over there. <laughs> like Debo has still had games. I, I mean, because Ayuk and well, Debo still have like a twenty-eight percent target share or something. Yeah, because Ayuk and Debo have now each had the game which is like very classic 49ers, which is like Kyle Shanahan is pre-scheming everything. And so when one of them comes in Q-tagged, you just know that they're not going to get any targets because <laughs> he's like, we don't actually need you. You're just going to be a decoy to draw coverage. We're never throwing you the ball. Stand over there and we're going to use the other guys. So like we got the IU version of that um, in, in the Rams game where he was like playing through an injury. Um, and they were like, just like keep playing. Don't worry, we're not going to throw to you. Um, and then we got it with Debo this week where he came in questionable and they were like, you're not actually uh, part of the team though. Um, but other than that, like when Debo and Ayuk have been playing and they're not on the injury report, they've both been awesome and Kittle's not part of the 49ers. Yeah, it's kind of wild that he just got punted like that. I mean, I, I guess I'm not like ready to be like Kittle's toasts yet. Maybe, maybe I should be. But uh, he's certainly not what he was. Like, I remember um, two years ago being like, it's probably George Kittle and then the other guys. And I was certainly not that anymore. What's that? that. I, I was, I think, faster to move off of that. I'll give myself some credit. Like, I remember having fights in the Discord. People were like, Kittle's still the alpha regardless. And I was like, no, he's not. He's, he's not. Um, I think Kittle is, at this point, he's a spike week tight end. Like, I still believe that his ceiling is still higher week to week than everyone outside of the actual elite tight ends, but he's no longer in the elite tight ends. He's oh, now sure, like, yeah, no. 
he's he's like he's still you still would definitely rather have him than like your Tyler Higbees and Evan Ingrams and stuff because like I think on 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 any given Sunday he can go for thirty five like we saw that last year, but I still think that that given Sunday still probably at this point kind of requires one of Ayuk or Debo to be out. I was gonna say the only like- game that he's had this week or this year is the game when Ayuk was out and then he had seven for ninety, but. It like it requires the right matchup. It requires somebody out. Like when they're operating at full capacity, he's a second thought at this point. Oh, that was kind of what I where I was going with it is that I feel like he is like the contingent upside play in the in the offense now. Whereas I feel like it used to yeah. be the reverse. But now I'm like, if one of the other guys gets hurt, George Kittle could be really good again. <laughs> yeah, he's he's now Dallas Goddard. Yeah, and Dallas and Goddard. Debo and Ayuk are AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Um mm-hmm. kinda. And, and then and Christian McCaffrey's DeAndre Swift. There you go. Makes perfect sense. It's just that uh, McCaffrey gets like double the passing work of Swift, and then that work is like reallocated from Smith and Brown, which make Ayuk and Debo like honestly, Ayuk and Smith are probably like pretty much the same. It's just like Debo is like a slightly sadder version of AJ Brown, and then everything and Christian McCaffrey is the souped up version of DeAndre Swift, and then there's no Jalen Hurts rushes on top of everything, and then that's the offense. Speaking of DeAndre Swift, should we move into the next guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, the new one, the new DeAndre Swift. Meet the old Swift, same as the new Swift. Uh, meet the new Swift, same as the old Swift. Jameer Gibbs. Um, uh, I can't wait to, for like another three years until Jameer Gibbs ends up on the Eagles and gets fully unlocked. It's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, What's so our panic meter is not existent on JSN or on Bryce. It's like a little, it's like a little, a little bit of JSN. We're like, uh, like tinged on JSN, so and, and it's, well, it's more from like the ceiling perspective, the like ceiling. you were more saying. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, what's what's the thought on Jameer Gibbs? He's still the guy I have the rank the highest of the three. I don't have a high panic meter on Jameer Gibbs, mostly because I felt like this. I felt like of the three, this was the most. Well, maybe Bryce was the most expected, just in the sense that he's a rookie quarterback playing with a bunch of scrubs. But this would be the next most expected, which is like, yeah, I mean, they have David Montgomery on the team. I feel like this is kind of what they were going to do early in the year. I thought we'd see more targets, but like, I see some people like, can't believe David Montgomery's getting all the red zone work. It's like, why can't you believe that? Like, you should have. Seems, seems pretty believable. <laughs> I get yeah, being annoyed I, about it. I, yeah, I don't like, think I was that annoyed like... when Zeke got all the red zone work last year, but I, I wasn't like, what? Zeke's getting the red zone work. Like I knew it happened. I still didn't like what it. What a shock. I yeah. think I think I'm like not really panicking on Jameer Gibbs either. I guess I'm like really I'm just not really a panic on rookies in the first four weeks guy. Is maybe what it comes down yeah. to. It's true. Uh because I'm I'm really quite unfazed by Jameer Gibbs. I'm like, he had like a nine target game, like his second game. That's yeah. awesome. Like, that's great. Yeah. I'm sh- I I'm more shocked by that than the fact that he isn't taking David Montgomery off the field in short yardage situations. Like, he's not going to take David Montgomery off the field in short yardage situations. I don't, I don't feel like I ever thought that was the case with Jameer Gibbs. I felt like no. we were looking at a player who was going to probably be a high target player. He's going to be like Austin Eckler, which is great. Like, that's right. awesome. I felt like we were going to get 150. Like we were talking the other day about. Who who are we talking about when we were going to get 150 targets or 150 carries and 60 to 100 I think targets? It was, I think it was Achan, who we'll talk about yeah. next. But 
I mean, yeah, I, I, I was like, a little bit differently about him. But yeah, that's kind of like the expectation with Jameer Gibbs. Maybe a little bit higher uh, ceiling on the on the passing side of it, and you know, like I I feel like that's still well within play, and I feel like yeah. that's still well worth the price of admission, and I'm not panicking. Yeah, I'm fine with Gibbs. I mean, all the comps I had to him in the offseason were like his closest comps for me were McCaffrey, Bush, and Spiller. Um, none of whom were efficient runners as rookies. Like, actually, were all really inefficient runners as rookies and were low volume runners as rookies. They were all very, like, other than Spiller, um, Bush and McCaffrey were both extremely high volume receivers right away, were very effective receivers right away. Um, it's tough that it's only been that one game. I, obviously, I'd like to see more. Um, really just more efficiency from Gibbs in the receiving game. Like his target share on the year, I believe, is 18%. That's like quite good. Um that's excellent, uh, by the way. That's that's excellent. That's not quite good. That's freaking awesome. Right. I think it's like people are I think that the passing game usage has actually been good. He hasn't been super efficient in it, but I can say like watching him, he looks like plenty dynamic. Like I think he's as advertised. Um, I think that the explosives are gonna come with him in the passing game. Um, it's just that he hasn't been quite as efficient and they just haven't thrown very much. So the, like the raw receiving outputs are not really that impressive. Uh, he still had like a kind of semi reasonable floor. Like he's still been the one game he was up at 15 and all the other games have been like nine to 12 and he hasn't scored a touchdown, which is like, I mean, obviously it's not good, but it's not like horrendous. Like it's not like he's in your lineup scoring two or anything like that. He has a role in the offense. Um, here, here's yeah, something that's kind of wild. Like, there's, there's he's never going to escape this DeAndre Swift like parallel where yeah. everyone's going to compare him to DeAndre Swift for the rest of his career, or at least until he leaves Detroit, and then he'll break out with the Eagles and like smash on the ground. It's gonna be awesome. But uh, DeAndre Swift has, as a rookie, has like lower target share, a little bit higher opportunity share, but like that's over the course of the season, right? Like it didn't start like right. that. DeAndre Swift did almost nothing early in the season. He dropped a pass for a touchdown yeah, in week say, one, and then he kind of just got, like, nuked after that till about uh, midseason. Yeah, and, he had one uh, big game against Jacksonville, hit a couple of big runs, and then he started to get yeah. worked in a little bit. Yeah. So it's just like – and DeAndre Swift finished his rookie season with 14.6 fantasy points per game for running back 15. Exactly. So, like – That's probably where Gibbs is going to end up, I think. That's which like, is perfectly where Gibbs is going to end up. We're going to be going into his season two. And he's going to be a like RB3 overall. Yeah. With Christian McCaffrey and Christian McCaffrey. I remember distinctly because I drafted him in uh, Scott Fishbowl that year. And I defend it to the masses when I posted my team. They're like, oh, Christian McCaffrey, the one-two turn. I was like, yeah. He finishes like running back 12 with like no rushing attempts. Like we're looking at a player who's probably going to be a top 12 running back, even if he doesn't get a rushing attempt. So that's Jameer Gibbs. Like, maybe he will never get a lot of rushing attempts. Probably, I would bet, not a lot of rushing attempts. But could he get 150, 200? Maybe we get to 220? And if we did that and we get some touchdown luck, we're talking about the running back one overall in fantasy football. So yeah. let's just be fine. I agreed on all fronts. I think people sometimes forget who it is they drafted. Um, like, the, the thing with Gibbs was always, like, he has a really great receiving profile. Everybody gives, you know, rookie running backs the benefit of the doubt. They usually come on slow. They usually wrap up over the course of the season. Like, to me, it's all kind of just playing out according to the plan. Um, I think it's just kind of tilting because Monty's 
had some touchdowns uh, in primetime island games, and I think that makes people upset. But I think overall it is going mostly according to plan. I would like to see, like, I don't think that they're using them wrong in the sense that they should just be giving Gibbs, like, some of these inside between the tackles carries. Like, I, I don't think that they should be doing that. I don't think he's shown anything that would suggest he's particularly good at that. I think they could tailor their running game a little bit more to being one that features Jameer Gibbs. Like, you see what Buffalo is doing right now with James Cook or what Miami is doing right now with Achan. And, like, they're they're kind of what building. What people do with the under Swift? Well, what they do is they have the best offensive line that I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, they should try that. That's a great <laughs> strategy. <laughs> really works well for DeAndre Swift. Like what they do is they just they just have these like eight foot wide holes, <laughs> and then people just run through it. That's great. <laughs> uh, man, it looks fun to be an Eagles running back. Uh, anyway, I, I do think like they could do a better job of building in more looks, but like. I don't know. I think part of it's just going to be game plan specific. Like they played Green Bay on Thursday. Green Bay historically has always been horrible against the run, especially in between the tackles. And they're probably playing from ahead the whole game. And so they looked at this, they're like, we're playing from ahead against the team that does not stop the run well. All we need to do is just keep batting the 225 pound guy in between the tackles and run the clock out. Like that was the that was the rational way to play that game when Jordan Love spotted them like 20 points in the first quarter <laughs> i think that in future weeks that's not going to be the case they're going to have weeks where it's you know a matchup that is tougher inside and you but they might have linebackers you can take advantage of or they're going to play from behind etc so anyway um that's taking on gibbs um where, where do you rank these three um i'm gibbs then young then jsn where where would you be I could be talking to Young than Gibbs, but I, I think I'm very clearly Jason last of the three right now. Yeah, I think you know, do another cop out. I think it depends if you're playing for year one or year two value, pardon me. Like if you're just looking for year two value or year one value gains so that you can get out next year. I think Bryce Young's probably the play because I think there's probably gonna be some changes to the supporting cast in Carolina, an easy year two narrative, and we're going to see Bryce Young pop up in value. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case for Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be stuck with David Montgomery for another year, and we're going to have a whole bunch of naysayers saying, well, David Montgomery is going to get all the touchdowns because David Montgomery got all the touchdowns this year, and Jamal Williams got all the year before that. So it's not the uh, not the Jameer Gibbs touchdown opportunities. Like we're just not going to get, He's just not going to get in the end zone. And therefore, I think Bryce Young is going to be ranked like ADP wise quite a bit higher. And uh, yeah, that's probably. We'll probably see. I don't know. I'm not as convinced about that. I mean, Javante Williams spent the whole offseason in a timeshare. DeAndre Swift spent his whole season in a timeshare. Uh, yeah, those guys had narratives that were going to be, they're going to get their own now. I think that. Okay, but why? Like, Javante Williams spent a whole year in a, in a time for Melvin Gordon, and then they re-signed Melvin Gordon. Yeah, but they let I mean, him go, and then brought him back at the last second. Didn't they? Am I misremembering that? Um, okay, sure. So they Maybe. were like, we've discarded this. Literally nobody in the league wants it. It's not okay, like they caught him. He was a free agent. Yeah. And literally nobody in the league wanted him. And they're like, okay, I guess you can come back then. I mean, DeAndre Swift 
they were like, okay, you can walk Adrian Peterson, and then they signed Jamal Williams on like the first day of free agency. No, wasn't Jamal Williams his third year? No, that was his second year. It was just the third year that Jamal Williams was useful. In the second year, oh, Jamal Williams, Williams didn't do was anything. there for a year of relevance. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he was there, and he started like the. It was like a whole bit the start of the season where Jamal Williams was the starter. He started like every game, as in like he played like literally the first snap, and then Swift would play seventy percent of the snaps. I'm so confused. I thought that DeAndre Swift was like home free in his second year. He was home free because Jamal Williams didn't play very much, and then the second year they were like, "No, we didn't like that Swift workhorse thing. Williams, you're playing more." Huh. Well, I mean, people, I in fairness, people kind of were freaked out on Swift. Like, there were, like, especially late in the offseason, people were freaked out a little bit more on him just because he, he, like, sustained an injury of some sort. People worried about Jamal Williams. But um, he still went up in value. I, I don't know. I, I still think that narratives just exist for these guys. Like, I think a lot of times, just again, to the offseason, there's going to be quotes about how they're going to use Jameer Gibbs more on the ground. And people are gonna be excited. I'll be excited. People are gonna love it. I'll love hey. it. I'll be excited. I'll love it. Won't we all? Uh, yeah, okay, I guess I'm the same as you. I'm like flip flopping between the two. I don't really care which one. I want one of them. I want both of them. Okay. And right. uh, and then and then after that is JSN. Like he's not in that conversation for me. Okay. Uh, I think I am in agreement there. Let's talk about the newcomers to the top six conversation uh you just want to talk about because we just talked about gibbs um i saw gibbs traded more or less straight up there was a 24 third on one of the sides i don't remember which side i don't care it's 24 third um more or less straight up for devon a chain i was in a discussion or a chan a chain so much cooler uh i was in a discussion with ferris one of our patrons where I had Gibbs ranked higher than HN. I mean, barely. I had Gibbs ranked at 31, I had HN at 36. They're in the exact same tier. They're back to back on my running back rankings. Um, and so we were pushing back on that. I think they'd rather have HN. I talked to some other sharp folks that'd rather have HN. I'm conflicted, very conflicted, because I think that Devon HN is clearly a better player, and not just because he's been one in the NFL. I, I thought he was a better player in college too. Um, I like he's clearly been more productive. I like watch them play football, and I can tell you five different things. I think that Devon Achan is just like clearly better at, and I still think I'm kind of a sucker for the receiving profile and the 12th overall pick versus third round pick thing. I don't know. Am I just a wet blanket? I know where you're going to stand on this because you're not as convicted about HM's talent, but I, I'm I'm very very conflicted. Yeah, I mean, I think HN is probably very good. Like, really, would you like say that a player who is league best ROIOE, league best in missed tackles forced, and league best in PFF rush grade in their first two starts is good? It's probably good. Probably. <laughs> I don't think we can make any definitive declarations here tonight. <laughs> Four weeks into his rookie season that he's the best running back in football, but it's possible. Um, I think, like, for me, it's always this. The, it always comes out of the same thing with him is 
Is a coach going to look at him and give him enough touches that he's going to matter in fantasy football? And I think he's with the one coach where I would be like, this this might be it. This might be the guy who will do it. Well, well, Jimbo Fisher did. Jimbo Fisher gave what? Oh, like in college, you mean? Yes. Ah, you're cutting out. I'm not sure if that's on me or you, but uh, no matter. Yeah, I'm just not sure. It must be me because now I'm cutting out. Uh, anyways, I'm just not sure if if it's ever going to really happen. And I understand that we do have some instances where a player will have he's a good career. Hey, he's averaging over 30 points per game in his two real games. I think it's kind of well. Did, did you see my tweet at you when you were posting that he's only like your running back seven or something like that in Dynasty? Yeah, he was my running back seven. Like, I did see your tweet, but feel free to enlighten us. I don't really remember what I said. Something like, why are you so low on Devin HN? HN? He's averaging like 30 points per game. And uh, I forget what else. But uh, yeah, basically teasing you for being low. Yeah. And I'm just, yeah, I like, I don't know. You, you start doing the running back rankings like that. And look, or I like looked on Fantasy Calc to see like what the order is. And I'm like, yeah, I mean... How do you have some of these other guys ahead of them? It's pretty hard to argue with it. And then... Right, because a lot of these old guys, it's just like, is the difference-making season happening now? Because I'm looking at like Josh Jacobs, and he's like kind of plodding around, and I'm like, I, I still would like rather have him than HN rest of season. Like, I've seen some takes that are ranking HN sure. top five. Rest, rest of season, season, I'm not really five. there. I'd rather have him there. But I'm like, is he going to like win my league? I'm like, I don't think so. I even look at Pollard, he doesn't, and I'm like, I don't know if he's going to actually, like, still looks like his role's really good. He's kind of underperforming a little bit. Um, is he going to win my league? I mean, I look at Eckler and Barkley. They're kind of dealing with an injury right now. Like, I'm looking at a lot of these elite veterans, but I fully expect a lot of score HM rest of the season. But, like, are they going to win my league this season? Like, 25 freaking points per game. Because otherwise, I think I'd rather just take the young guy who at this point can basically do whatever the fuck he wants the rest of the season. He's going to have a high ADP next year. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's really, he's really safe because um, efficient that there's just going to be a ton of narrative around how he's just going to take over this backfield next year. And I don't really know that there's going to be a good argument against it. Right, because Miami's not like they don't invest in running backs. Like, no, Chris they never have been there. It was like they rolled with like Gaskin, then they rolled with like Gaskin again, kind of, sort of, kind of Malcolm Brown, yeah. kind of Salon Ahmed. And they rolled with like, where, like, all they do is they bring in like these absolute bargain basement vets, and then they draft guys like the seventh round and they take UDFA. It's like taking HN in the third round was by an absolute mile like the largest running back investment that they've made. Maybe Chase Edmonds, I guess. For like basically one year, six million. Like, it's very much like mid-tier free agents, the odd mid-round pick, and then mostly like vet mins and like last-round picks. So, and it's not uh, like, just in Miami. Like Kyle Shanahan's done it throughout his career as well. They're just right. like bargain basement guys, or you know, like Trey Sermon is probably like the highest drafted guy that he's had. In quite some time. Exactly. I mean, they paid up for Christian McCaffrey eventually, but I feel like that was like yes. a cherry on top. True. So. Like, I think clearly this backfield next year is going to be like HN, and it's either going to be like literally Mostert and Wilson again, or it's going to be like Mostert and Wilson types. Like, they'll either take like yeah. some 
goof in the fifth round, or they'll like sign some guy that is like like there's no one that people are gonna like have to carve things out for if they want to make the bull case for HM, like everyone else is gonna be a movable piece. It's probably gonna be like a James Cook type backfield situation with like we'll bring in some guys, but like yeah, we're not like we're not prioritizing them. Yeah, and I think like comparatively HN would be a lot more attractive <laughs> than uh Cook was coming into the season. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, it's it's a tough sell, or it's an easy sell in the running back market. I feel like it's a tougher sell overall when you get them into some of the other positions, and you're like, "Wow, I'd kind yeah. of prefer pretty much every wide receiver in his value range." But again, well, that's okay. more more like uh, what do you call it? Um, like overarching principles. Like I just don't really like okay well, up for guys that I'm not like super confident in at the running back position. I'd rather just fair roll enough. into a wide receiver. Let's discuss. I have HN currently. Here's the wide receivers I have in the same tier as him. Uh, a couple of these are above. Some of them are below. Okay. Diggs, London, yeah. JSN, Puka, Ayuk, Adams, Higgins. I think I'm taking every wide receiver you just listed over him. Okay. I think that's reasonable. But I do... I think that's totally reasonable. I do. Think where where are you taking? Right you said you have him in the middle of those guys. Who do you have above him, and who do you have below him? Okay, I only have Diggs above him. Oh, <laughs> really? That's that's kind of aggressive. That's pretty aggressive. Like, you're not taking Puka is... Nakua. I thought we just talked about this, and you were taking Puka. Yeah, I I was at the time. Um. Oh, the best game of Puka Nakua's career turned you off of him. Uh, yeah, you know, he beat the Colts. So I got so sad. Um, <laughs> no, I think it was. We'd already, maybe it was just we'd already seen Puka do it twice, but we'd only seen Achan do it once. And then seeing him do it twice, uh -huh. like, mattered to me more than seeing Puka do it for a third time. I don't, they're in the same tier. They're like back to back. And frankly, it probably just comes down to like whether I want a running back or a receiver more on that yeah. team. But just watching him. Over and over again, these last two weeks, and trying like I wrote that piece after we recorded where I talked about player take imposter syndrome and like trying to trying to not be such a wet blanket all the time. Yeah, and you just threw caution directly into the. Wind. I think this is like the. I'm not going to say that he's the best running back in the world right now. <laughs> I will say that outside of Christian McCaffrey. He is the most dynamic player to reside in a backfield. <laughs> Called Hilarious. backfield home. He plays in the most dynamic offense. And I think that when players do things in unprecedented ways, it's very easy for us to look at them as low floor and probably most of the time correct. But I think if we try to just really focus on what we're seeing from the player, like it's not really that low floor in the sense that he's just – Clearly awesome at football in at least a role, and we can quibble about how much that role can grow or whatever else. But he's like clearly a valued part of the team. Miami's going to score a million points, and they're going to run a lot of plays. And they're going to do cool stuff. So I think that we can not really apply like the opportunity share stuff quite as heavily to Miami as we would most scenes because you're part of a very exciting pie that you're getting a piece of. And they're going to keep him involved. So I think like the floor is he's going to be a legitimate player 
in this incredible offense for the foreseeable future. And the ceiling is, what are we watching in San Francisco right now? That's the ceiling. We're giving all the touches to this guy in this incredible offensive scheme, and he's going to score 30 points every game. Um, I look at him, and I look at like T. Higgins, and I'm like, T. Higgins really good wide receiver. He's going to be a really good wide receiver for a long time. He's not going to break fantasy football. Devon A. Chain might break fantasy football. He could be the most important player in fantasy football because of the talent and the offense. Um, the more I'm talking about it, the more I want to go buy more um, and never sell for anything. Uh I, I'm, I, I think that RB7 is too low, and I just moved him up to RB5 after finishing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's it's fun when you can sell yourself on your own narratives. It's great. I sold myself. I gave such a good take that I just moved him all the way up. Yvonne, you're, you're now 30 overall and uh, RB5. That's just embarrassing. Too low. Way too low. Uh, 30 overall. Wow. Okay, so you still got him with Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Not I, I moved him ahead of ETN. I just, I, I just moved him ahead of ETN. Oh. Oh, I see. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, you can I tell that these rankings are very entrenched. They're based in math. <laughs> yes. So, what do they call it? Uh, strong Five Opinions days. Weekly Held or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably again, like, I don't feel like where you have them in running backs is that far off. I just, I liked all the wide receivers more and I understand that they're not going to, you know, break fantasy necessarily. Um, But yeah, like Drake London, I'm definitely taking over him and I understand. He doesn't score any fucking points. points. I understand. It's going to (laughs) happen. Guys don't put up that kind of rookie seasons without having that that happen at some point. And then, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I still would like Puka over him. I mean, in Puka's defense, he he is scoring the points. Look at him now. That he is. And, like, I guess if you want to make an argument, you'd rather have him than T. Higgins. I would listen to it. But I also feel like T. Higgins is not long for Cincinnati. And could emerge somewhere as like the bona fide alpha, and then I'd probably prefer T. Higgins. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, there's yeah, it's whatever. Brandon Ayuk, same thing. Like maybe maybe he ends up somewhere else, or they like crank up the volume because Brock Purdy is mediocre, but they like crank that. It up. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's it's. I think you got him in the right tier at the very least. I just probably would reorder the tier a little different. I'm, I'm interested to hear why, why, oh, why you would have him over Sam Laporta. Uh, what, yeah, why didn't you like Sam Laporta? He's breaking, he's doing the thing that Devin, Devon, Achan is doing, but he's doing it at the tight end position for well, a long period of time. He's not scoring over 30 points per chase. No, but he's like on a Hall of Fame pace straight out the gate. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of conflicted with Laporta too because I think there is like a legitimate case for him as the dynasty tight end one overall. In fact, I like just like tweeted that um, during the game, uh, and then I, I like even, thought about it, and I was like, I still really have Mark Andrews. I even noticed um, that was on the show sheet, and then we 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 skipped that one tonight. But maybe we'll, we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about day. we'll talk about that next week. So maybe yeah. 
that's going to be next week. We're going to talk about okay. it. Um, I do have a Dynasty tight end too. Uh, yeah. I'm in a tier with basically all of the other contenders except for Mark Andrews, who I have the tier above. Um, he's, he's doing incredible things. I guess it's just like a sample size thing. It's also like there's some chance that as they get Jameer Gibbs more involved, once Jameson Williams comes back, maybe his offense looks a little bit different. I also think from like just a like a real football perspective, like what A Chain, A Chan, H, Devon uh is doing on the football field just looks utterly irreplaceable. Whereas like I feel like Sam Laporta is just like I don't know, doing like cool tight end things. Doesn't seem like he's doing anything like when I'm watching the games, it's like no one else could be doing this. It's just that he's like getting thrown to more. So I guess it doesn't feel quite as entrenched. Like I'm I'm very interested in Laporta, and I have a lot of Laporta, and I'm not selling it. I was offered Kyle Pitts for Sam Laporta today, and I said no. I don't feel like I would trade them. Like we were talking about this in Discord, I think it was last week, maybe it was this week. Yes, I can't remember I, now. I, think, I want to say I had the same answer as you. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we get a bad rap for disagreeing, but sometimes we <laughs> give the exact same answer in two different channels without reading each other's answer first. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's like if if I have a team that I'm trying to lose with, I want Kyle Pitts. Because he ain't scoring points this year. And his ceiling, I think, is substantially higher. So if I'm looking at scoring points in like two years or next year. Then I'd much rather have Kyle Pitts than Sam Laporta right now. I I, I agree, but I actually was in that situation when I said no, and the only reason for that is that I just have like twice as many Pitts as Laporta, yeah. and I was just like, "Well, that's like a totally different thing, man." You can't give exposure. Get, sorry, let me let me back up. You were not giving advice; you were just saying you didn't accept the trade. But like you, you know, you can't give advice in like a well per my portfolio. Well, no, I do have La- so I have Laporta ranked higher because, frankly, I think most. There's more teams trying to win than trying to lose. So I'm I'm like ranking based on what I think is the more common position. Um, I do agree with your position from an advice giving perspective, but I'd rather have hits from trying to lose. I just feel like Dustin's gonna listen to the show and be like, hey, why did you take my offer? And that's why <laughs> so, I'll, yeah. take, I'll take it with a second on top, Dustin. Yeah, like this class is like absolutely blowing it out of the water. This is awesome. It's killing it. We talked about Puka. We talked about in the mix. How about, so now, now we've talked about these guys. We talked about Puka Law last week. So we need to go through all of everything. He, he did it again. What? Oh, Puka. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Um, let, let's let's go one through ten. We talked about Zay before on the show too. He's kind of been continuing to do yeah. the same thing. So I don't think there's anything that different. Like he keeps playing well. His his role is basically a million short targets and then an intermittent forty yard target. He doesn't have any targets. That are like 15 yards. He only has targets that are like five yards and 40 yards. Yeah, it's a little getting a, a reasonable odd. percentage of them. I, yeah, I don't know. It's we talked like in week one, I think it was, or week two, and I was like, ah, things are a little gimmicky, and they still feel a little gimmicky, but like gimmicky at the two extremes now. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. Uh, uh, yeah. I think he's good. I'm generally, I'm generally fine with that. I'm generally like okay with. I just think a lot of times with coaches, they'll just see a rookie and they're like, "Look, we want to get this guy the ball, and he's really good at some things, and not that good at other things, and we're just going to focus on the things he's really good at." Right. I think I think where my hesitation comes from in these kinds of situations where we have this gimmicky usage, be it short or long, is 
are they doing that because of his deficiencies in like the normal role? <laughs> and right. are we ever going to get the normal role? At least it's short and long. It's just it's not short and long. Be. It's two roles. They've given them. They just got to like find the happy medium now. Uh, so like it's four games. Like it's way too early to to pigeonhole him as a gimmick only player. It's just I'm also not going to get over my skis on a player that hasn't done the thing that I would normally like a wide receiver to do, which is play in the intermediate area of the field where most of the targets yeah. occur. So it comes back to what is the cost? And I think last time we had talked, I was like, I'm absolutely not sending a mid first for him. I'll happily send a late first. And that's as far as I'm willing to go. And I'm ranked. still in that same spot. I still haven't ranked evenly with the base first here, which is basically mid first. So um, basically I think it's fair. I don't know. I'm not like, I don't, I don't tend to spend most of my life like rushing out to try and make fair trades. Um, <laughs> no, well, I do actually. It, it depends. I do make a ton of trades that I think are completely fair. It's just most of the time that I'm making trades that I think are even is either like need point, gotta buy them, or like trying to tank, gotta sell them. And like most of the trades that I make that are like that type, where I'm just displacing value from one timeline to another. I think are, are usually very much fair. If I'm just trying to buy a player because I think that I like them more than other people do, or I'm trying to sell a player because I think I like them less than people do, that's I'm not really trying to make a trade that I think is even. Like I'm doing that because I have a preference, so I'm trying to get my preference. Um, yeah. And if you're trading for Zay Flowers right now, like you're probably trading him from a preference point of view. So I'm probably not offering what I think is his value, and I'm not offering him away for what I think is his value that's fair i think yeah like i said that's where i'm at i'm not changing that until such a time that something changes and or it doesn't change and then we get into next season and i'm like okay did something change now and if it still hasn't changed then i'm probably gonna move them down and if it has changed then great we'll we'll, we'll adjust at that time yeah i think um so let's let's go through quick let's finish this out um, we've talked about now Bryce, Gibbs, JSN, Puka, Achan, Flowers, and did I miss anybody? Laporta. That's 10. Rapid fire. Let's just go one through 10. You're on the clock first. You can have one. I'll take Bijan. Okay. I'll take Richardson. I'll take Stroud. I will take. Well, I could draft this strategically because I know that you're not going to take my guy, but that wouldn't be very good podcasting. So I'll take the Bonnie Chan. <laughs> uh, so you take a Chan. Uh, who am I going to take? I think I'm going to take Laporta. No, I'm going to take Puka. No, I'm going to take. I'm going to take Puka. Okay, you're taking Puka? No, I'm going to take Laporta. I like Laporta. Okay. I'm going to take Gibbs. Now I'm going to take Puka. Okay, I'm going to take Bryce Young. Shit, who's left? That was going to uh, JSN and Flowers. Sorry, JSN. And I'll take Flowers. Okay, there we go. That's where we're at on the top 10 right now. Um, out of curiosity, seems like it kind of falls off. Are you taking 11? Uh, we're not going to do analysis. Just, just five. Maybe, maybe like, uh, 
QJ? Oh wow, we got a, we're still we're still we're still truthering. Good to see. I don't know if it's truthering necessarily. It's just it's only been four games, and he plays in like the most dynamic offense in football. And he was a first round pick. And right, I will uh, take. Uh, yeah. I will take Jordan Addison. That's it. Really? I'm I'm a little bit shocked by that. I would I I Who honestly thought you would have taken Kincaid. He hasn't really done anything impressive. Well, he's been on the field a lot. Yeah, catching like he's he's basically been tight end JSN. He has like an eight out of two. <laughs> I just I I thought that you were like super into Kincaid, but and like well, I, I ranked of- Addison ahead of Kincaid in uh, rookie drafts, and I think Addison's done more impressive things than Kincaid. Oh, for sure. But I I, I, I had Kincaid ranked I had Kincaid ranked like dead on with consensus in rookie drafts, and I didn't end up drafting him that much, which was kind of a bummer. I was ahead of the market, I think, on him prior to the draft. Like he was my pre-draft tight end one, um, which most people had mayor. Um, but then he like was everybody's tight end one after the draft, and he was mine too. But I didn't take him over. Well, the main the main thing is like most, almost everybody took Addison and QJ in some order seven eight, and then people took Flowers and Kincaid usually at nine ten. I was firmly Flowers over Kincaid, which meant I didn't draft that much Kincaid. So I was only ever taking Kincaid at exactly ten, basically. And you know how often do you pick exactly ten? Yeah, I had him ranked at 10 as well. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like he's got kind of the role that everyone was hoping he would get. He's just not getting targeted like everybody hoped he would get um, I think he has the role I was hoping he was going to get from a snap and route perspective. I don't think he has a role I was hoping he was going to get from the deployment perspective. Yeah, he's not downfield. Like, we, like I would have liked to see some seam routes. Yeah. If his eight was, was like nine or eight... Instead of three, that'd be a lot more exciting. Because that was the thesis with him. Like that was the reason I that was the whole reason I liked him the most of the top three was I was like the other two guys are actually probably more productive or whatever. But like you look at their college usage, they have these low A dots. I was like, I want the scene stretcher. I want the, you know, I want the guy that's going to be running the deep crossers and sail routes and whatever else. And I haven't gotten that so far. So I hope that that's coming. Um, but it is not it is not the case thus far, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm looking to maybe buy him though. Like I'm not like out on on him. I don't know what the sentiment is. I see some people are like really excited about the usage. I see other people that are really like not excited about the efficiency. Um, I'm 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 still sending up the feelers for sure. Yeah, I think I well I, I I don't know. I felt like I was like. I wasn't like high on Kincaid, but I was like consensus with Kincaid in Dynasty. But then I was like a wet blanket on Kincaid in redraft. And I felt like maybe I was actually lower than people on Kincaid. But I think people were just like really leaning into the yeah. wide receiver two in Buffalo again. And I went I went all the way both sides in redraft. I started the year, I was like so I started the year, I was this is stupid price in redraft. What are we doing? Um, and then, but the, and then like the Buffalo kept saying, like, we're going to use him. It was kind of what I said, like when he first got drafted, I was on the stream and I was like, I think they're just going to use him as a slot wide receiver. Like they've been using all these guys who signal their intention and make more sense. They do this, but I kind of thought it was more like, they're going to use him that way. Like sometimes not like we're going to use him that way all the time. <laughs> um, and then Buffalo kept saying like, we're going to use him that way all the time. I was like, yeah, will you, uh, and then the preseason, they came out and they did it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Let's just draft him. This price is fine. Uh, so I did. I got a lot of him late in redraft. 
See, I, I felt like great, but like fuck, tight end's been a disaster. I feel like the like people are making a lot of proclamations about who the good picks and who the bad picks were at tight end, and I, I would I would just avoid making those proclamations until the season's over, honestly, because the whole point of tight end is that you're usually making a bad choice most weeks to have spent high at tight end, and the hope <laughs> is that you get spike weeks sometimes. So I think that that's one where that's a position where historically early victory laps good and bad on tight ends like and badly almost every year so i, I would just avoid making <laughs> fair enough except for on san laporta he's already paid it off yeah i don't remember like a couple of years ago i remember a couple of years ago early victory lapping hawk over mark andrews um and then just like eating it for the entire rest of the year that's the last time i'll ever make a early victory lap on a tight end call yeah, I I yeah, I don't know. Tight ends are are fun. I feel like tight end is actually like one of the easiest positions actually because so many of it so much of it is just like oh, actually that tight end's bad. Like if you just faded like every tight end outside of Travis Kelsey, you're you're winning a lot. It's <laughs> sure. not the thing with tight end, it's like it's it's Tight end nihilism has has appeal, right? Like if you're just like it's really hard to hit on tight ends, and I'm just not ever investing at the position at all. Like it's probably there's worse ideas, for sure. And then and then, and then I guess then at the, the same stuff, time you have the tantalizing well, it's like value of replacement. It's, it's because so tight end being bad, tight end being bad is the best reason to not invest in tight end, and it's the best reason to invest in tight end. Yeah. Yeah, time. it's like if you end up with Travis Kelsey under Dynasty team, you just get to win forever. So we should just try to do that every year. And and then it doesn't work, and you're like, damn it. There goes no offense. Oh, yeah, you got a 50-yard touchdown. I wish they'd give him the ball more often. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, I, I mean, because it's on one hand, I drafted the exact same amount of Michael Mayer and Sam Ford in rookie drafts this year. Um, and like simultaneously, I'm looking at my Laportas and I'm like, this was the best pick I'll ever make in a rookie draft. Like, <laughs> he hasn't even done anything that interesting. Like, just not in anything that, that crazy. He's just like been the starting tight on the team and he's like crippled in value. Like, this is incredible. And then I look at Michael Mayer and I'm like, I could have Devonnie Chain, but I have this guy. I could have like, Anyone else? I have like Rasheed Rice. If this guy didn't even play, when is he ever gonna play? He's gonna like have three catches. Like what the fuck? Like yeah, the, it's rough. The reaping and the sowing between Laporta and Mayer, and it's like they're fundamentally the same bat in rookie drafts. And I, like, I like Laporta like, a little more. They're like a first and a half apart in value. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's great. You kind of look like Michael Mayer. Is that why you didn't like him as much? You just think he reminded you too much of you. Well, is he the handsome one? Who is the handsome one? They're, I think they're all handsome. I don't know. That's what I was going for. Uh, no, yeah. isn't there like a real pretty boy uh, tight end? I'm not sure what your type is. I, I swear, Nico Collins. Like, the they were like, this guy looks like he plays a tight end in a movie. Like, who's that guy? I'm not sure. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't follow the tight end aesthetic. He was, he was like a real. Uh, Pretty boy, tight end. I can't remember who it was. I don't think it was Mike Mayer. No, I don't think so. Uh, Definitely not Laporta. Like Laporta looks like a goof. Maybe it was Mayer. He looks like a 
Mayor kind of looks oh. like a villain in like a early 2000s movie. Hey, Mayor to me looks like a like a villain in like an early 2000s movie about high school students. Yeah, all right, that's fair. Yeah, he he looked like uh like a surfer bro kind of. Is that Michael Mayer? No, no, that's not Michael Mayer. Bro. No. Oh, it's going to bother me now. It was on Twitter like back last summer, I think. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, he looks like... I think it's I think it's a tight end in this class. Who are the good tight ends in this class? 2024. Oh, and like the, in the upcoming class? Yeah, yeah. Buddy, I, I know I know two of them. I know Brock Bowers. I know Jatavian Sanders. After that, I will figure this out. Yeah, I don't think it was out of those guys. Maybe I'm confused. Maybe it was Michael Meyer. You, I you'll have to get back to the people. That's going to be it for the show. That is going to be it. I'm sleepy. we got under two hours for you guys. Uh, what a party. Uh, anything to plug? We don't have any ads. The we have no ads. Brought to you by nobody. Brought to you by Thinking About Thinking yet again, yeah, our permanent exactly. sponsor on the show. So sign up now. Get Jacob's new rankings. Mine are coming out on Bulletproof uh, on the Patreon. Like Woo. literally tomorrow is the plan. So I'm pretty excited for that. That's the plan. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what we got. Follow us on Twitter. Right. Oh, you know what you should do? You should go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Oh, yeah. And then like. The and then idea. share the videos with everyone you know. You're your parents, your grandmother, your dog, everyone. Everyone needs to see it. The videos oh, yeah. are great. Got to do that. There was oh, somebody, yeah. I think I saw a notification on my phone, or maybe not, about uh, how our contrasting backgrounds is a real problem. <laughs> oh, is that a problem? <laughs> yeah, because mine is you know very uh, fake, and yours is very real, and it's distracting. Oh, That's so. Bad. To, do that. I'm sorry to the viewer um, that this is upset. I am like in a very unattractive like basement right now with like non-finished walls. So that's why I had to go to this. So maybe someday I will awesome. move back into out of my parents' basement and be able to podcast from a living room like Jacob does. Yeah. Can only hope. Can only dream. Um, all right. That'll do it. Jacob Anderson, Drew Ozenchuk. Is it pronounced that way? Drew Ozenchuk, or is it like a Sinchuk? No, it's Ozenchuk. Nailed it. Because I, I, I like, sometimes I just call you by your actual name on other podcasts because I'm just like, I don't know, it'd be weird to be like DFB encounter. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I go by. Like, in a conversation with a human being, I, I just prefer I, to use your human name. No, no, I, but I use a pseudonym so that I have a pseudonym. So it's not my real name. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> but do you like hide your name? I feel like you don't. What's that? Do I, I hide my name? Like, like I feel like you don't hide your name. Like I've heard you go on like other shows and then like say your real name. Yeah, sometimes. It's whatever. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll say DFB counter now. Is that what you want? Yeah. Oh, okay. I had no idea. I just thought it's like goofy for like a 35-year-old man to be called DFB counter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is a like little I'm just picturing, Like, I'm just picturing myself. Like, sometimes I'm on these other podcasts, and I'm like, blank, made, like, an interesting point about this. And I'm just picturing myself, like, saying, DFB encounter made an interesting point about this, and I'm going to try not to laugh, but I, I'll say that going forward. Well, I don't, like, don't want to dox you. I feel bad that I've been doxing you. 
you're gonna say my name and everybody's gonna be like who the hell's that <laughs> that's true i usually like, say your name and then i'm like and then i'm like go with this dfb encounter on twitter <laughs> next time i'll just say your address yeah just phone throw it all out there throw it all out there yeah all right that's enough that's enough we've talked for a while goodbye everybody have a lovely night have a lovely week four we'll be back next week so long